That's the biggest story. Every news outlet in the world has forgotten about every other news story, and yep. they just focused on Michael Jackson. Yep, no, this is a Michael Jackson-free zone. And that Mac.com supporting the New Zealand Mac community. So welcome to a very wet and miserable night uh, for podcast episode 29. My name's Philip Roy. This is the NZMac.com podcast. And joining me tonight, we have David, otherwise known as David NZ, on the site. We have uh, Darren, otherwise known as Loaded Wookie. And we have Andrew, otherwise known as APDV1. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Phil. How's it? Hello, hello. Good, thank you. And uh, this is an iPhone and iPod Touch discussion, and I thought what I'd start uh, with is just a really quick run-through of the sort of recent news that's come up. So the um, iPhone operating system and iPod Touch OS was released on the 18th of June, uh, this uh, battle 10 days ago, for $13.99 for iPod Touch users and obviously free for iPhone users. Uh, the next day, it was the iPhone 3GS went on sale in the States. And on Friday here in New Zealand, we learnt that Vodafone are going to have the uh, handset available on July 10th, which is a uh, Friday. Uh, we don't know at this stage if any other carriers are going to be selling it, and Vodafone at the moment have just released what they're calling the handset-only prices, uh, so this isn't related to any plans or subsidy prices at this stage, and those prices are $1,179 for the 16-gig model and $1,379 for the 32-gig model, and there's no word uh, at the moment as to whether the current iPhones will drop in price, but we're hoping, obviously, that they do as well. So what I thought I'd do to start with is go to you, David, and ask you if you were happy spending uh, 1399 13, 1379 for a 32 gig? Uh, no, 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 1399 for the uh, OS op- update on your iPod Touch. Oh, sorry, oh, the OS 3.0 update for the iPod, no. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get much utility out of that whatsoever. I, I didn't think. Uh, well, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to get out of that. I think the only thing that I found was the. Um, I was able to to type out an email in landscape mode, hunk, hunkered over my iPod Touch, flat on a on a desk in the middle of a meeting, and probably looking fairly ridiculous while doing it. But I mean, at least I guess that was somewhat um, somewhat good. But other other than that, I, I don't know what it gave for an iPod Touch user. Andrew, Andrew, what about you? Uh, yeah, I was happy to tell you the truth. Um, cut, copy, and paste was a good, uh, it was, it was quite a good one for the way that I use it. But I, I've also found that some of the applications that I had on it previously seemed to work better, uh, just in terms of scrolling and loading as far as the internet is concerned. Um, and the other thing that I noticed, uh, it, it, it seems to behave better. Uh, when you put it into a dock as opposed to headphones. It's, it's got like two settings and you, you can have it set at one volume when you've got it in a dock and another volume for your headphones. And it just seems to be more information on the screen about what's going on. Right. Uh, and o- over, overall to me, it seemed it seems like it's a bit quicker. I, I've got the first generation iPod Touch. Um, I'm not sure what David's got. Yeah, that's, same. That's the, so, yeah, so we, I was dealing with the same thing. But I, I was quite happy to pay for it um, and and the features that they had said you know, when they talked about the new 
uh, the, the software upgrade, I, I thought, yeah, I don't mind paying for that. Okay, David, to answer your question, I, 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 I thought, well, what did you get for an, for an iPod Touch? So I went looking tonight and, and had a look on iTunes. So the things that you would have got from your update was spotlight searching, uh, Bluetooth, Yawn. Bluetooth stereo, Peer-to-peer gaming, which, you know, hello, flight controls just brought that in. Um, (laughs) Cut, cut, copy, and paste has been mentioned. The landscape keyboard, uh, the iTunes store account creation from your iPod Touch. Yawn, I already have it in account. (laughs) Uh, Shake to shuffle. Yeah, it's not a big deal. New languages, push notifications, parental controls, and then the one I'm having trouble with at the moment, automatic Wi-Fi login. Um, yeah, what is that meant to do, and what's the push controls meant? Because I thought my email is already pushing to that thing already, wasn't it? No, push notification is for other applications like uh, uh, Facebook, um, like your chats, like um, oh, who's the one AOL and all that sort of thing. Um, mm. Other applications where you need some form of um, uh, I'm trying to think of examples, but um, something that requires like a message or something sent to you. At the moment, it's... A bit like sorry. Skype, Darren, you know, um, not having to have mm. a, an application running on the phone for one of your mates to come online and send you a quick IM via um, uh, the AIM client. That can be, now be pushed, I would assume. So I've got an application that has uh, offered me an upgrade. Uh, inside the application is a, what do they call them, in-app uh, add-on. I've had one thing come to me and, and ask if I wanted to do that. Oh, really? What was that? Oh, wow. Oh, it's one of my picks. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll come okay. back to you later then. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but, yes. <laughs> but, Darren, how how did you find your free update as we got it on the iPhone? Uh, it's made a hell of a lot of difference, eh? I, I noticed, um, like... Uh, I'll give you a recent example. Um, Sims 3 was my last pick um, on the iPhone and the desktop uh, in the last podcast with Andrew. Um, what happened with the um, the iPhone version is you get about 10 minutes of gameplay and then it will just die. Um, and then when the iPhone 3.0 came out, it's been super stable. There's been absolutely no um, crashing or anything of the applications. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing for me has been stability. Um, and then there was that little issue with my iPhone where I ended up wiping up my iPhone, uh, my phone and um, thinking that I'd broken it. But thanks to DB Mandrake uh, on the iPhone uh, site, he managed to show me how to reset it all, so we're all back up and running. But um, I can definitely tell you, find my iPhone remote wipe um, works like a charm. I might ask you about that in a minute, Darren, but talking about stability, are you referring to apps that were already on your iPhone or ones that have been specifically, because a lot of them now, when when you get an update, it has in brackets uh, uh, tested for iPhone 3, uh, 3.0. So had, has Sims been updated since the um, OS upgrade? No. No, okay. No. Um, I, I think I got most of that. Uh, you seem to be cutting out at my end. I don't know what, whether or not it's my connection or what. But um, no, the, the applications that I tested, um, a lot of them hadn't been updated um, by the time that um, the, well, sorry, after the 3.0 update. So um, the stability is definitely there in, in previous versions. It may be that because of the way that Sims 3 works, um, where they are going to be introducing in-app um, purchases and things like that, 
it may be that because it was trying to leverage 3.0 features, it was crashing under the original version, uh, under the 2.2.1. So that may have been the cause. Right. And so, so you can buy slippers for your virtual pet. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> no, I haven't bought anything. I, to be honest, I, I think at the moment the community system's a little bit flaky. I, I haven't tried anything on the on mind you. I haven't even had a chance with it crashing all the time. But, um, so, Darren, do you want to tell us about your find my iPhone attempts and also your remote wipe and uh, what happened there? Yeah. Um, so I'll start again. Um, find my own iPhone is a feature of Mobile Me where you basically sign your iPhone into the Mobile Me account. And what happens is um, if you lose your iPhone um, or, or – well, we'll start with if you lose your iPhone. You can send a text message to the iPhone and, and it will continuously beep um, if you check a, check a tech box uh, – tick a checkbox that um, – says play a sound so you know if you lose it in, in the couch or something like that um you can actually find your phone uh doing it that way um if someone takes your phone um there's another feature of mobile uh of the find my iphone called remote wipe which is a security feature you can basically send a signal to the iphone and it will uh remotely wipe all of the data on your machine uh, on your phone uh, what happened on my um, in my case was um, something must have gotten stuffed up a little bit along the way, and it didn't actually uh, come up with the um, the icon to say connect to your um, Mac to restore your data. It just basically every time the logo came up, it would hold on for about thirty seconds and then just um, turn itself off. So, to be honest, I think that's actually. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it did its job. I don't care. You know, if someone's flogged my phone and I have to remote wipe it, then I don't care whether or not they can turn it off or on or whatever. It's um, As far as I'm concerned, if it's wiped and they can't use it, then stiff ditties for them. But um, DB Mandrake on NZ iPhone, he told me the correct sequence to um, uh, to get the iPhone resynced to iTunes and that worked a treat. Basically, you just um, hold down the home key. Uh, sorry, you have iTunes running on the Mac, the USB cable plugged into the Mac but not the iPhone. Um, hold down the home key um, and I think it's the Apple logo comes up. That's when you plug in the um, uh, the USB cable and then it just goes on from there. So, um, so thanks to DB Mandrake for that tip. Um, but yeah, I, I can tell you now that Find My iPhone and Remote Wipe is such a fantastic feature, and I think it's going to. Um, from a lot of the comments that I've heard uh, or read, sorry, um, that's one of the features that will probably push a few more sales of uh, Mobile Me. But so it beeps regardless. It, so it, I guess it doesn't have to be turned on; it'll just beep. Is that right? To find um, it. No, I think it's, it still needs to be turned on on account of the fact that um, Find My iPhone actually requires to be able to communicate with the phone. Because um, then that, that defeats the purpose then, doesn't it? Because if it, if it has to be turned on, I mean, if you've misplaced your iPod or your, your iPhone and it was an hour ago, it'll power down within that hour. So therefore, 
It won't, well, won't. no, it won't power down in the sense that it's powered off. I mean, if it's just sitting there, it's just the same as like a text message. If the if mm. phone's turned on, um, but it's it's gone into that standby mode, it will come out as soon as someone sends you a text oh, okay. message. And, and, and it's okay. the same with Find My iPhone. And can I make your phone beep by sending you, or is it just you that can actually do this through it's, your mobile me? It's just logged into your mobile me, so you have to okay. set the phone onto uh, that thing. Um, I don't think you can set it to other mobile me accounts because um, I think once it's set to one account, it'll just say it's already paired. So. And, and you can actually send messages to it as well, can't you, Darren? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it sends a text message on to it. Um, the cool thing about the, um, the beeping is that even if you've got the phone set to silent, it will actually still beep. Um, the only downside, apparently, from what I've reading, uh, been reading is that um, if you've got the volume turned down, then you're not necessarily going to hear the beep because um, it is volume-specific. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if the switch for the vibration is turned on, for the silent mode is turned on, then it's going to ignore that anyway. I don't know if you saw the story online. I've just brought it up here about the guy in Chicago who lost his iPhone and, and used... Um, the Find My iPhone option to um, send messages offering a reward. And then ultimately uh, they were wandering down an alleyway with a laptop, getting closer to where they believed the phone was, um, constantly sending it messages and finally coming up to a guy at a bus stop who was looking very guilty. Yeah, yeah, that that was a pretty good story. That's a, that's exactly the sort of thing that you want to hear, that the service is actually up and running. Obviously, if they're in a building or something, then the GPS isn't going to work. Um, so you're just going to get a, a general area. And, and if you read the story, they were in a pretty dodgy sort of area, so the last thing they wanted to do was door knock. But because they kept sending all the, the text messages to the phone, the guy was starting to freak out, and he decided to run away. And, and then as soon as he left the door, that was it. GPS locked in, and, and he was a goner from that point on. So, so have you guys tried that? with uh, Because you have GPS in the 3G iPhone, is that right? Yep. So have you guys tried the location of it, like locate my phone or find my phone? Um, uh, only from indoors. <laughs> um, so it, it gives it's pretty pretty accurate in terms of like where you are in the general vicinity. It's obviously going to be more accurate once you get in view of those um, satellites. I don't have the I don't have a mobile me account and I don't have GPS activated. But um, I was out for dinner last Saturday night, and there were some people that were worth showing off my iPhone to. Um, one person who wasn't technically competent at all, and I said, look at Google, Google Maps. Let's see if it can figure out where I am. And I was impressed how accurate it was. And then I said to him, well, you know, this this not only will tell me where where I am, but it will tell me how to get home. So I typed in my address and brought up the directions, and he just couldn't get over that a phone could do that. Um, his only <laughs> criticism was it made me go the wrong way around the block to get back to the house. But, um, I mean, you know. It, oh, that, that's yeah. just mapping software in general. Exactly, uh, I mean, yeah. But, I, I mean, that you know, for a phone to do something, and that was without GPS enabled. Um, so how did it get your location then without uh, GPS? Because it picks it up from cell phone towers and all yeah. those sorts of things. Ah. Because yeah. it, it, it gives you the option to do this on, on the iPod Touch as well. 
And I tried it, and of course it couldn't find it because it's. I'm in the middle of a residential area, so it's not going to. First of all, there's no there's no cell tower uh, near here anyway, and plus this. Um, the iPod Touch doesn't have cellular phone capabilities anyway. Oh, okay. Now, one of the things you can do, um, somebody on the nziphone.com website helped me with this. There is a website you go to where you put in your street address and you put in the MAC address of your Wi-Fi router. Right. And they gradually build up uh, around the world a network that senses where, where people are. So now when I'm at home and I open up Google Maps, because I've entered that information on their website, it's pinpoint accurate. I mean, it's Ooh. it's straight outside the house. But it knows that because the website that I entered that into sends that information off to whatever systems, and they often say over two to three weeks um, it will happen. But gradually, um, I, I remember it was someone on the NZ iPhone's site saying that the iPhone was saying that they were in the middle of the sea near Sweden or somewhere. <laughs> so this is why they sent that information off to the site. I'll just I'll just come up with the name while we're talking. Um, I, I I can't find the name of it at the moment, but I did this this, this, this last week. Um, just, just just before you finish on that, uh, find my iPhone works for iPod touches as well. I managed to find it managed to find my iPod touch. It doesn't make a sound, but it certainly sends it a text message. Huh. All right, okay. And it, and, it, and obviously, it seemed to know where it was because it came up in my iPod, uh, iPod screen. <laughs> wow. I didn't realise that. No, um, no. I, I guess from my point of view with iPhone uh, 3.0, the, I, I was a little bit disappointed because I'd convinced myself that um, voice control was going to be um, something that would work on a standard iPhone 3G as opposed to the iPhone 3GS. So I was all excited to give that a go and couldn't find the uh, control for it at all and then discovered that, in fact, that is an iPhone 3GS feature only. Um, I've been having trouble, if you have a look on the NZ iPhone site, with what appears to be a a fairly uh, regular problem for some people, and that is uh, getting the phone to stay on a Wi-Fi network because I have data disabled. I use my Wi-Fi network here at home and also at work. Um, but what tends to happen is that the phone goes to sleep, and when I next go to use it, um, I'm finding that it's not connecting to the Wi-Fi network. So I either have to switch Wi-Fi off for a moment and switch it back on, or in some cases uh, switch the phone off and, and, and start it back up. Phil, is your SSID for that router disabled? Like the broadcast of the SSID, is that disabled? No, no, it's not. Okay, yep. yeah, because when I, when I disable my SSID under the previous uh, OS 221, it would, my iPod Touch would have a heck of a time rejoining my uh, wireless network here at the house. Yeah, are you saying you can now disable broadcasting? Um, I haven't tried it. I, I only disabled it just because I'm not sure why I did, but um, I found it disabled in my router. And once I enabled it, it was uh, it would find it no problem. And I haven't tried disabling SSID on my router to test it with the new OS 3.0 yet. I haven't done that. Right. Okay. Hmm. Um, so let's move on to the 3GS. There's been a lot of commentary about it on the net. Um, People seem to like the speed and the battery performance uh, and the camera as well. I've, I've read a really good article that I'll link to tonight from uh, Electronista, which is, if you like, a sister site to Mac NN uh, um, about the iPhone and the various uh, aspects to it. And I guess their summary kind of interested me because um, 
they suggested that the upgrade uh, in terms of hardware and features possibly isn't as much as everybody was hoping for. Uh, if you wanted video and camera, then certainly it would be something that you looked at. But otherwise, they might suggest that a lot of people are happy with um, just the 3.0 software itself. So I wondered if anyone had any comments on that. I thought the same thing. I, I thought it was going to be a reasonably incremental sort of an upgrade, so I hadn't really thought anything about it. I mean, yeah, I figured they were going to have a, a larger hard drive. Um, so 32 gigs actually good because that would mean I'd be able to stick my entire f um, uh, music library on there rather than having to um, fiddle around. But at the same time, the 16 gigs good because it means that I only basically have to f um, have all the favourite music on there, um, all the stuff that I like, so it's sort of been a bit good for me, but um, I, I thought the camera was actually going to be a bit of a gimmick, you know, three megapixels, whoop-de-doo who cares, uh, you know, I've never liked cell phone cameras anyway, but after seeing the um, what they could do with the camera you know, with that autofocus and all that I just thought, man, that's I mean, I'm now starting to use my iPhone um as my life at work, really, because all the um, software and all that that I got on there that allows me to do my job. But that camera, because we're needing to do a lot of um, things like take photos of um, switches and hubs and things like that, being able to have that macro lens and the autofocus, I can tell you now that's just going to be a massive boon for my job. So I'm actually looking at going to pay the full price for the iPhone 3GS because um, even though initially I thought it was going to be a bit of a stink upgrade, it's actually a pretty good upgrade um, from the usability perspective for what I need it for. David, um, keeping in mind the pricing and uh, that they've announced, I mean, are you going to contemplate a 3GS? I am contemplating it. I have to admit, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Vodafone probably has to be pretty careful with this because there's there are probably quite a few people just like me, and I've, I've said this since day one, since the 3G was even announced here in New Zealand. I, I was able to derive the same utility out of an iPod Touch, a 32-gig iPod Touch, and my existing Sony Ericsson phone. Um, and if, depending really on what they do with the pricing... Um, that's really going to drive it for me. I mean, I mean, for almost fourteen hundred dollars for an outright thirty-two gig iPhone, that's a bit steep. And I know you can. Yeah, that's it. only if you pay it, um, excluding the pan. Well, that's right. Yeah, but the idea is that you would you would throw it out, throw a, a prepay either from Vodafone's XT network, which apparently is much faster, or throw Telecoms. just a telecom. Sorry, telecoms, or just throw a prepay from Vodafone in there. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to depend on what the plans look like and how much they're going to subsidize the phone by offering it a certain plan. And I, I'm not going to rush because I look at I look at what they announced, and part of me is even thinking that the vast majority of the features that the 3GS has, you know, apart from the camera and the hardware stuff. Is you know you can find it in the OS 3.0 upgrade for any 3G iPhone like you fellas have. So I sit there and think, well, if that's the case, then next year perhaps it's not going to be another evolutionary step. Perhaps the 4G or the next version of the iPhone next summer, uh, northern summer that is, uh, could be sensational. Maybe I should just wait for then. Righty, Andrew, uh, would you ever contemplate getting an iPhone 3GS? Yes. Uh... Uh, I am. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I want to wait and see. I, I don't want, really want to get tied into a plan. Um, I was a little bit. I was a little bit disappointed in the, in the pricing. I thought maybe that it would be 
kind of like what they did with the iPods when they introduced bigger models and the 16 would be what the 8 is at the moment and the 32 would be what the 16 is in terms of price. Um, but uh, again, I think we'll just wait and see what the plans are. Um, I like the features of the phone. I'm certainly in the market for a new cell phone. Um, so yes, uh, is, I suppose it's the very short answer. Is, is there any reason to think that the existing iPhone 3G plans are going to be carried over and used for the 3GS plans? or is, In other words, is it, would they change anything for the 3GS? I don't think so. Right, I so think if that's the case, the then the cheapest you get, I'm looking at it right now, it's called the iPhone $40 plan. $40 a month will give you 20 included minutes, 100 text messages, and 250 megabytes of data. Now, if Vodafone here do exactly what they do in Australia, that will, where I might add the plans come with much more included data, like double and triple in some cases. They'll have tethering built in, um, but the additional usage per minute for a phone call is $0.90 cents a minute, uh, text message is $0.20, cents, and per megabyte is $0.25. Cents. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd be staggered if they bought in a whole new tier of plans that were 3GS specific. I think what you'll yeah. find that they may do is tweak them. Obviously, they're going to have to talk about tethering, and let's hope, like Vodafone... No, they don't have to. It's standard on all the phones. Oh, Tethering's there. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's... Sorry? I'm just going to I can tether with my phone at the moment. Okay. So I, 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 I know that Darren had posted a how-to on tethering. I just wasn't clear why there was such a, a promotion of the fact that Vodafone Australia was offering it free. Is it, is it not – a phone's not capable to, uh, over there to do it? No, the car- some carriers I mean, aren't allowing it. Carriers are not allowing it. In the U.S., for example, it's not quite out there for AT&T yet. Yeah, but Vodafone's always allowed tethering. I've been tethering my phone since – God knows, uh, when was it? T- Ericsson T39M oh, was the good. one I had, and, and I was basically hooking up with Bluetooth and all that. Um, my my Ericsson V800, um, that was all um, tethered. My Motorola 550, that's te- that was tethered. Um, yeah. Basically, well, it was really news. down to the iPhone 3.0 software allowing tethering at that uh, time. Okay. Oh, um, I, I, sorry, um, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I was tethering when I lived in Australia. Uh, and that was four years ago, uh, and I'd been doing it for a couple of years. I needed a Bluetooth phone to be able to do it. I think the reason, from my point of view, I think the reason that Vodafone is saying that they'll do it for free is that it's not anything that's been talked about before, and mm-hmm. they're just saying, oh, no, you'll be able to do the tethering, and we're not going to charge you for it because I think that's one of the things in America when it finally shows up there is that you're going you're to get charged for it. But it's Well, Telstra in Australia don't allow tethering on it. Neither do they. They don't allow visual voicemail either. Oh, okay. Well, I was with Vodafone in Australia, and, and it was mm. just a case of putting in the right numbers. And, yes, I could certainly get onto the, onto the net. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Vodafone's ever. I, I, Vodafone Australia, Vodafone UK, and Vodafone New Zealand. Obviously, they they're not. They don't care about tethering. I mean, it's all money money in the bag for them. You know, their data plan's a bit bit of a joke. So I, I think. The the idea of tethering at the moment, the iPhone was limited to the fact that you couldn't tether under 2.2. Um, so tethering was actually a big thing for iPhone 3. And, and so America, with their limited um, cellular network, the way that um, it was all designed over there, um, 
tethering was a big thing for them, you know, whereas the rest of the world's pretty much had it, you know, probably since um, – because you've also got to remember, too, that 3G is actually quite a new um, setup for um, for America, uh, whereas, you know, we've been 3G for, what, probably the last four or five years now. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think for us it was more the fact that the software wasn't there for uh, to allow us to actually do the tethering in the first place. Yeah, it just seemed odd that, that um, Vodafone in Australia did it, did make an announcement. But as you say, I mean, I've, I've used mm. tethering on a, a um, Sony Ericsson years back just to try it out as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, the other thing too is with Telstra in Australia, certainly when I was living there, they weren't the GSM network. They were the same as Telecom were up until a few yeah. years ago. Which is the, the CDMA, hmm. whatever so, it was, which may be the reason why they don't do the visual voicemail and the same thing because they just, just the network's not capable. Yeah, so we've got um, we, we don't have visual voicemail yet here in New Zealand, although they do now have it in Australia. Um, we're I hope about, we do get it. Yeah, we're talking a lot about Australian networks, and there are now going to be four companies selling the iPhone. I just wonder if anyone wants to comment on whether they believe that either Telecom on their XT account will sell the iPhone or whether uh, the new one, which is 2 Degrees Mobile, might have um, the iPhone. I haven't read it. A lot of the things that I've read was that Telecom wasn't going to do it. Uh, whether or not that's because it's a limited contract to Vodafone at the moment or, to be honest, I wouldn't go for Telecom. Um, a, yeah, there is a bit of a prejudice, but B, the XT network's only been out for a month or two. Um, I, I think... He could get away with it. I, I have spoken to one of the guys at Magnum Mac, and he said that one of their guys has got it up and running on the XT network. But I, I think the network's a little bit too um, too new to actually say, yeah, it's going to be great on that network or it's going to be a pain. But um, there's, there's a lot of configuring to get it up and running on the on the XT network because you don't get a little text file that sets all the settings for telecom. There's a conversation going on on the uh, Vodafone forum where someone's being... Um saying it's all quite ironic and he ends his message with the irony is this the fastest ever iphone will only be the fastest on telecom's xt network because this new phone supports 850 megahertz umts and also 2100 megahertz umts which the vodafone network doesn't have uh, so there seems to be some contention there that, you know, if you're really worried about speed, then the thing to do is to to buy the handset-only option and to throw in an XT SIM. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, yeah, you might get faster speeds on telecom, but are they sustained? That was one of the big problems with the T3G network. There's... Telecom was saying, oh, we've got these great speeds, you know, we're up to one megabits a second. But everyone using that network basically at one megabits per second was actually killing the network. And so you were actually getting around about, um, I think it was speed slightly faster than a dial-up modem. So they say it's going to be faster, but I don't necessarily think that is actually going to be the case. I mean... You know, they they haven't had a good track, track record in, in um, having sustained speed, whereas Vodafone, they've done it slightly... Uh, they've thought about it slightly better. I mean, they've been in the digital game a hell of a lot longer than Telecom. Um, so they come out with slower speeds, but they actually have that speed more sustained, which in actual fact makes means that it's actually running faster than everyone else. 
Yeah, and I'd have to say that telecoms advertising hasn't really convinced me that uh, they're an incredible <laughs> network So, uh, in terms <laughs> no. of speed, so we'll see what happens. Did you see that ad that, that they got with the jet boat? And it, it yeah, that's what I want to try. Sorry? I want to try it. Next time I'm on yeah. the boat, I need to send a text message. <laughs> but it, it took them like half the ad just to load up the bit that allows them to send the pics message in the first place. It's like those phones aren't exactly the most intuitive. <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the selling point there was uh, there's so many situations where I need to spend, send a pics faster than the speedboat that's racing along beside <laughs> me. <laughs> there's another question too. Who's sending the message on the boat? Is it the driver? No, no, he's not sending the message on the boat. It's the guy doing the timing or standing by the the start-finish line, the one that ends up getting drenched. So, Okay, so the the message is not being sent from the boat? No. Oh, okay. All right. I I assumed it was being sent from the boat and it was kind of sending the wrong message about texting while you were driving. And I'm convinced convinced with the ads with the stunt uh, woman that they have... uh, dub the audio again later on because, oh. because you know, she's travelling through a tunnel but sounds wonderful. Yeah, so, yeah um, I think that's I a hate, I hate to keep bringing it back to Australia versus New Zealand, but I'm looking at the Vodafone site for Australia, and here's for a 32 gig 3GS, um, you can do a monthly cost of $60, or they have it as 59 so $60, and on top of that, I think you pay $15 a month for 24 months for the phone itself. So that works up to $360. But when you pay the $60 a month, you get $350 worth of talk time, texting, et cetera, et cetera. And you get 500 megabytes of data. And then as a bonus, you can choose either free evenings or weekends, 100 free standard texts, or you can go on to their Vodafone Best Mate plan. Yeah, now mm. the, the interesting thing about that is that um, some of the arguments going on in the Vodafone forums talk about economies of scale, you know, population of what, 20 million versus 4 million, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, but someone did point out that Vodafone New Zealand made $190 million last year. And it's just mm. interesting, as you were talking then, I suddenly thought, you know, Vodafone, the the press they got at, at the iPhone 3G launch, I don't know if they would feel this, but I thought it was fairly um, anti-Vodafone. I mean, they got some really bad press about their pricing. Um, and I'm going to say this because I know it won't happen, but wouldn't it be amazing if they brought out plans that said, okay, here are, we've, we've named the, the price of the new handsets, and <laughs> to celebrate it all, we're dropping the price of all our plans or bringing in these new features. I mean, that's just not going to happen, is it? No, no. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, the... I think it's a little bit more than economy of scale, too. I think the big problem with New Zealand is that New Zealand is quite not a good country for cellular um, signal. We've got too many hills. We've got too much iron. We've got too much uh, mountains in the way. You know, I mean, New Zealand's, what, the largest coastline in the world. No one's more than 130K from the ocean. But at the same time, you pretty much got the entire half – well, half of the South Island is mountain. you got mountains all up through the middle of New, um, uh, North Island. you got mountain at Taranaki and all that. And, of course, you've got all the hills and all that. So there's a lot of things that will actually um, cause the signal to drop. So 
it gets to the point where do you go and push out, you know, one gig, two gig, um, 500 meg plans and all that, only to not have that, you know, network up to actually push through that kind of data? Well, do we know that for a fact, Darren? Do we know that the existing network is incapable of handling someone who has a one gig data plan on a on an iPhone, for example, or any other phone? Do we know that it's just not capable of doing it? Well, it's I mean, hard if to because no one ever tells you the the bad points of a network. Um, right. I mean, but what I would suggest is that this is what the the way Vodafone prices in New Zealand is basically. They're pricing it well above marginal cost. Of course they would. They're a profit-maximizing mm. entity. I would do exactly the same thing if I were them. What they're mm. basically doing is that they're testing the market, and if the market will bear it, they will sell it. Now, the, the risk they face, and Phil, you mentioned this when the 3G was released, um, I, I would almost be surprised if Apple wasn't disappointed in the way Vodafone has actually managed uh, the iPhone in general as a product in New Zealand. Now, you, you know, I know lots of you know, st- students I run into, for example, at, at Varsity, they, they would love to get an iPhone. They would love it if the pricing was just a little bit more uh, to their liking. And it was, if, and it was not even so much the pricing. Quite a few of them would tell me that, you know, they would pay $40 a month if, for example, they derive the value from that that they that they would expect and and you look at the the current 3G pricing for the iPhone here in New Zealand right now and I really struggle and and I struggled when it was announced I really struggle if I want to pay $40 to get 20 included minutes now now your comments about Apple there lead me to think that possibly we're going to see telecom come along and I'm saying that without knowing anything I I don't have any inside secrets but you know if they were unhappy if they want to generate some competition um, I'm not a telecom user other than the landline Um, I've never been on their mobile um, service but if they want to generate a lot of competition and, and, and telecom I believe have some fairly good plans for texting like you know text as much as you want for 10 bucks they could get the iPhone into a hell of a lot of hands if they let another carrier um, have have the iPhone. That's why we see the pricing differences between Vodafone Australia and Vodafone New Zealand. We're talking technically, we're talking monopoly pricing. But we um, don't see differences between uh, Vodafone New Zealand and Telecom New Zealand. I mean, mm. their plans are exceptionally similar. So mm. the, the other part of it is how realistic is me talking about competition? I mean, it's a bit like the electricity companies. You know, there's lots of them, but they don't really compete with each other as much as we would hope. Well, there's a report no, that's about to be issued tomorrow, as a matter of fact, by the Commerce Commission, and that is uh, re- look that has been looking at um, the charges that both Vodafone and uh, Telecom, and I'm not sure if another one is in there, the charges that they levy against each other when a phone uses the other's network. And that report is apparently being released tomorrow. So, Dave, that report, what do you think um, from Telecom, what, it's gonna, what is it going to say? Boy, I wouldn't even want to hazard a guess. With the Commerce Commission, I have no idea. No, but no the, idea. But it's but interesting. Also, because, sorry, Andrew, go ahead. I was just going to say, even so, what are they, what's it going to do? Even, well, if it's, even if it's very, very negative, it's just going to confirm what everybody already either believes or knows. Two, de- two degrees. This is the new company coming along. They've already dropped out of some agreed um, group that... Um, uh, 
if you have a look on twodegreesmobile.com and go into their new site, they have resigned from a group that involved Telecom and Vodafone. I don't know the exact details, uh, and supposedly they're taking Telecom to court about something. So it's not as though all these telcos are um, actually sitting down with the tele. the, the commission, uh, Commerce Commission and saying, OK, you know, we, we abide by your um, concerns and we're going to do something about it. Yeah, I, I think the problem with um, cellular communications in New Zealand and communications in general, really, you've got the same thing with all the broadband and things like that. Telecom, telecom controls everything. They, they control all the pipes coming into the country and out of the country. So at Australia and Brazil, I think, is, is the other one. Um, because they control all that, they basically set what everyone has access to. And, and that, that's also the other problem with the, the um, saying that – because I missed basically what all of Dave said because I got kicked off – but um, the – because telecom controls everything, I, I don't think there's going to be any form of competition whatsoever in terms of the pricing. Because telecom, um, you know, they, they've basically got everyone uh, held to ransom. Yeah, yeah, no, I see what you mean. Um, from my point of view, I'm still mulling over whether to get a 3GS or not. Um, I'm a bit like Darren, um, the, the extra space. Uh, certainly would appeal. I've got about a gig left on my 16-gig iPhone. Um, the other things I've sort of ummed and ahed a bit about, and I was saying to Dave the other night that one of the strange things that has suddenly appealed to me is uh, GPS. Um, I'm somebody who gets lost in my car quite frequently, if I, even if I've got a map right in front of me. Um, and when I started to read about the TomTom application that's coming out uh, that will mm-hmm. give you turn-by-turn calls... Here I was, never, ever having an interest in um, buying a GPS application for a uh, GPS system for my car, but suddenly I could have it in a phone, and that just amazes me. I, I use um, well, I've, I've basically been using GPS all the time because um, we do a lot of um, in-home uh, repairs and all that, and you know, Wellington being Wellington, people are tucked away in every nook and cranny, and. Google Maps has just been an absolute godsend um, just being able to find all these places. Um, I noticed that the version 3 um, software doesn't actually include the turn-by-turn on the on the standard iPhones. Is that just a 3G-specific thing, or am I just not finding... I think you have to buy an application like TomTom, don't you? Because there's going to be a TomTom app. No, it's part of, it's part of the Google Maps. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe you do need the compass. Yeah, I, I think that's probably what it is, because um, without that compass, you won't know where you're really going. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I use the Google Maps a lot, and I've noticed in the new the 3.0 version that when you push on the location, um, it shows you the street view. It, it goes right into street view. Uh, if you, uh, it, it did that on 2.1 as well. Yeah, oh, that, that was one of the upgrades, okay. yeah. Yep, that, I could really freak people out with that. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you were doing on this particular day. Yes, um, 
a funny story. My brother produces Target, the consumer affairs show, and uh, I sent him an email pointing out a picture of his house on Google Street Maps, and uh, he came back quite upset, said that he was going to um, see that um, contact the Privacy Commission because it was a breach of privacy because you could quite plainly see him on his balcony, and he sent me a screenshot, and all I could see was this black blur um, on the balcony. You had no idea it was him, and in fact there was a shrub next door to him that looked like it was attacking him with a knife, so I just emailed him back saying, don't turn around, there's somebody attacking you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that... that um... <laughs> that whole scenario with the Google Maps. I mean, it's a bit of a joke. I mean, A, that was probably taken six months before that uh, photo appeared. So, you know, you could have moved house by then or or whatever. But, um, yeah, uh, I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, people were actually making a big fuss over what was essentially, you know, a non-issue. Yeah, um, definitely six months, Darren, because the pub that you and I met at and and had dinner, um, that didn't exist um, on Google Street Maps because it was only had just been built. So when you look at it on Google ah. Street Maps, there's a service station there. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we even figured out that uh, the car drove past my house uh, at the end of the day because the uh, sun was uh, shining straight onto the camera as you're heading down the street in one way. So I went out the next morning and l- looked at which way was east and west and, and realised what time of day they'd driven past. <laughs> yeah. um, Darren, just to ask, though, so you've got GPS running the whole time on your phone? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have location services running all the time. Okay. And um, do you find it drains your battery quite a bit? I mean, how how do you, do you keep your phone charged during the day or how does it work? Uh, I I don't think it runs it through that much. I mean, I I can go most of the day. Like I, when I was at, um, doing that really annoying project, um, for a company, I was basically had call location turned on or location services turned on all day. I was listening to music, I was making phone calls, um, and it would basically half us eight in the morning till say five o'clock. Well, no, no, maybe half us three. I would be um, doing all of that before the point I, I needed to actually hook it up to the laptop and charge it up. Oh. Um, so it. It doesn't really affect it that much. I mean, with the co- with the location services, you're basically um, only connecting at um, when you know when the phone's turned on. When it's turned off, it's all shut down, and you know, so all the screen and all that isn't running when um, when you're playing all the the music and all that. So it's only really if someone sends you a text message that's when the network will kick in. So it's not as bad as what people make it out to be. Well, at least I've not found it as bad as what people have made it out to be. Oh, okay. Righty, so that's the 3GS. We've got Darren, who sounds like he's definitely buying. Dave and Andrew, who are going to wait and see what the plans are, I think, and me, who just can't make up his mind at the moment. <laughs> um, before we go any further, the, the um, site that we were talking about in terms of submitting your Wi-Fi Uh, address is called skyhookwireless.com and I'll put a link to the submission page uh, in the show notes. Uh, I've got it already uh, here in front of me where you can put in your address and also your MAC address for your Wi-Fi router just to help improve uh, the, the mapping of phones and so on. Uh, But what I want to talk about next with you guys is um, applications. 
And uh, I've got three things to talk about, first of all. Um, but one of them, um, I know that David had pointed out that um, 1Password have bought out a pro version of their application. And I'd also noted that uh, an application that I'd picked before called Romote uh, has bought out a pro version as well. And I have to conf confess that I'm kind of not happy that they've done this. Um, they are selling a second application that does similar things but with additional features, which means that if I want those additional features, I have to buy an entirely separate app. Ad admittedly, we're talking about $6 or $7 here. but For now. Yeah, for now. For now. Yeah, yeah. But, but what really um, surprised me was why didn't they take the opportunity now that um, – iPhone 3.0 has the ability for subscription services or add-in services to make it a, a feature that you could have purchased, say, for a couple of dollars more. You mean like an upgrade from, from the normal version to the Pro version? Yeah, so if you want, you know, you had um, the normal version, which I've got, which is the iPhone app, and if I want that uh, cut, copy, and paste feature from the Pro version, I just pay $2 more to add it into the application. I can't quite figure out why they didn't take that path. That's a good question. Did, did did they did they address that? And I know because there the fellow David Tier there he's been he blogged I think a, a fairly long blog post recently explaining right here's what here's all the rationale why we did what we did. I'm not sure if he even mentioned that or not. Oh really? I oh, know I I'm not sure. I yeah. haven't seen that, so I'll have to take a look at it. So you've you've got the pro pro app. Have you purchased the pro app, David? No, I haven't because I didn't. I, I I I bought the regular one. Uh, basically, I bought it just to kind of support them. Um, I, I didn't really uh, didn't. I don't really see a need for it on 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 my iPod Touch, to be honest. And I can't really see a huge need for it uh, for the pro version. I mean, that's just that's just personal. I use. I use one password all the time on my desktop or on my on my laptop here, but not on the not on the iPhone or on the iPod Touch. No, I, I, I guess I know it might sound a bit silly, but this is coming on to the next point. It was just the act of having to buy a second application mm. um, just to get an, an enhanced functionality. That that particularly with remote, um, the new Pro version looked really cool, and I just thought I wish it could have just been an an upgrade of of some sort. And of course, the only way to do that at the moment seems seems to be, um, well, the approach they took seems to be a separate application as yeah. opposed to this, uh, what do they call it, in-app purchase. Well, guys, yeah, the guys that won password, they took a big beating for this. Yeah. <laughs> they Darren? really did. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, um, the, the problem you've got with in-app purchasing is that it doesn't work under anything other than iPhone 3.0. Now, if you make your application sure. basically reliant on iPhone 3.0 and you give people good enough reason to upgrade, then yeah, good for it. Go go for it. Um, so at, at the moment, because, you know, they, there's a whole rigmarole of, um, you know, there's what, something like 40 million iPhones being sold now and only 6 million um, 3.0 downloads um, today, probably about 15 million by now. Which is still less than than fifty percent. Um, I think at the moment, probably give it six months when people are sort of um, happy to do the upgrade. Um, the in-app applications will be a lot lot better, but um, I, I think at the moment the applications are more or less just saying, "Yeah, we've tested under iPhone," and that's what a lot of these updates are. Until they completely rewrite the app for in-app purchasing, I. I don't think they can sort of really 
um, go ahead and, and uh, do the in-app, especially because the beta was uh, the SDK has only really officially been announced since um, WWDC. Okay, I thought the um, uptake of uh, iPhone uh, 3.0 OS had been quite dramatic. I thought it was um, over 50% of iPhones or something, but I must be wrong then, am I? No, well, um, Apple came out and said, yeah, we've had 6 million downloads in in this time, but um, a lot of people are sort of looking at the numbers and thinking, well, 6 million isn't really that much compared to the amount that's there. But at the same time, you know, Apple being Apple, they don't really release numbers left, right and centre. So it could be it could be a lot better now, um, but we just have no idea We until they um, release some more financial information. There's an interesting story on the net that happened about in-app purchases. Um, what you may not realise is that at the moment Apple have decided that no one can release an application that will require in-app or subscription purchases for free. Now, what happened was a company that sells a GPS uh, piece of software released their, if you like, the shell of the application. They had to charge 99 cents US for it. Um, Unfortunately for them, they were exceptionally poor at indicating that it required a monthly subscription. That monthly subscription was $9.99 US. Um, They received a lot of complaints because people, um, I think, a bit naively or were a bit silly to purchase a 99-cent application and assume that it would uh, give them turn by turn. Um, But I just found it fascinating that Apple's decided that you can't have the application uh, released on iTunes free and then subscribe to something. So you're going to have to buy, even if it's, say, a magazine reader, you're going to have to pay for it before you can get a subscription. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that they they went the right way and basically saying, well, your application was free, therefore any updates you make or any products and all that that you sell should be free as well. Um, mm. Otherwise, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to sort of look at it. I, I think you get the... the um, uh, um, uh, what I'm trying to say, you get this perceived customer perceives that the application is free, so therefore anything associated to that application should be free as well. And I think that's how Apple's been looking at it. So if you have to pay for an application, then um, people perceive that, well, you know, the chances are that there might be something associated with this where I have to fork over money. Um, they the the developers themselves should make note on their um, their application page though that this will require X amount and you need to put it in big print so that people can see it, um, you know, for the content and all that. But um, yeah, I, I think keeping it free for an application that's already free prevents people from being tempted to release a free app and then just charge like a wounded bull for the data that you're downloading. So, yeah. uh, Andrew, can I ask you, how did your in-app purchase work? I mean, did you just get a message that there was something you could buy additional to the application? Yes. Yes, I, yes that's exactly what happened. I, I, bought a, um, I, I bought a an application and which was specifically for iPhone 3.0. It said so. Um, 
in iTunes and it said so on the local when I was when I was looking at it that if you want this application to work, uh, as we are saying it well, then it needs to be 3.0. And I think they were probably they were waiting for it to become available before they released the app. And then I think it was the second day that I was using it, um, it came up the message saying if you want to uh, it's not an upgrade, it's a, if you if you want to buy an entire season pass, uh, you could do so from here. It's $34.99. Uh, push this button and you'll go through the process. And I, I wasn't interested, so I didn't. But I thought, oh, okay, that's the in-app purchase thing that they were, I remember them talking about. But then after what Darren was saying about the fact that, of course, you've got to have 3.0 for in-app purchase to work, that was, that's what uh, I suddenly remembered was that they said that they were specific about this application only working with uh, the 3.0 Vision. Yeah. Do we do we think people might possibly go in app crazy and that suddenly any anything what we used to consider to be an update? I mean, you know, new levels in flight control came as a free update. Are we? Am I being a bit too miserly by hoping that those things continue to be an update as opposed to an in app purchase? Um, I, I think I think a lot of developers are out there. Are, they they know that they've got a, a good good name. Um, I, I think for the likes of, say, flight control and all that, unless they do something really massive, they wouldn't sort of really charge it. But there, there will be some that will take advantage of in-app applications, uh, which would be a shame because, you know, they, they could tarnish their, or, uh, their good reputation that they have. Um, but I, I think for the most part, developers on the iPhone are, um, are conscious of the fact that you know the, these in-app applications could um, could also bite them, rather than providing good features. But um, I, I think for the most part, the, the in-app applications, uh, sorry, in-app purchases, uh, better get it right. Um, the in-app purchases will actually be quite a benefit. There, there's some content like um, the, you mentioned the TomTom app before. I can see them going to in-app purchases for for maps and all that because um, you know you have to um, get updated maps and all that for the places that you're going to. Um, so I, I can see systems like setups like that being um, quite beneficial going for the um, the in-app purchases. Um, but it, yeah, it depends. You know, if if you're paying, having to pay, you know, say nine dollars for an airfield or something like that, then it's not really going to be perceived value, and their app will actually probably go downhill quite quickly. So, I, I think the developers are wary of that, and they will the the good app uh, good developers will actually um, uh, make things you know, make proper use of it and, and not ruin people for it. Well, they have to be because one of, one of the, one of the big issues, some, for example, like flight control, I know they've got the new version out or even the, the second to last version that they've released with the new maps. Um, I have to say, I've actually stopped playing flight control because I, I got a lot of benefit from the first one where there was just the one field and, and then that was it. Now, if they charged for the additional maps that we now have in the current application, 
um, my view is is that well, I could easily substitute the value I'm going to get from those particular new maps with a a very similar kind of application or game, um, which has been released recently. And Phil, you sent me an email about that. I forget what it's called. Something to do with ships and docking ships. Harbor Master. Harbor Master. <laughs> yeah, it's based on the same principles with a slight tweaking of of how you actually manage things, but. I would so I think Darren's quite right. I think at the end of the day, they they've got to be very careful with how they price any in-app kind of upgrades for additional features and benefits because they uh, people will find that value and they'll just substitute what they what they got from. Although from it's, it's going to be interesting to be able to know, you know, using flight control as an example, how we're going to be able to find out about. Um, what we get for our in-app purchase. I mean, because I couldn't wait for those two new um, landing sites to come into flight control, and I've actually gone off them. I don't don't enjoy them at mm, all. The same. Yeah, same. Um, but it's interesting. And, and, and this leads on to another, but uh, really, it, it, I, I want to talk a little bit about pricing and about visibility within um, the iTunes application um, store, because... Um, I've become a little bit tight when it comes to applications. I I reviewed a great game called Platypus Light, which I downloaded. Um, it's just amazingly done with claymation, animation, and and so on. It's a space shooter, but in my review, I said, "Look, you know, this is four nine nine at the moment, but so I'm not even going to consider it until it drops a bit." <laughs> and, and imagine saying that for a really cool game on a phone, and it's four dollars ninety nine. But the reason is that I'm comparing it with things like um, Blimp, which is going to be my pick later on, which is $1.29 at the moment, and it's just incredible. But it's very hard to make this comparison. So I then looked on TechCrunch had a really interesting article about how many apps become popular, and I've linked to this in the show notes as well. They looked at free applications, and they found out for free applications, 54% of them have less than 1,000 people using that application, and that when you move right up to sort of over 100,000, there's only about 116 free apps that are being actively used out there. So one of the things that that interests me, I guess, is how do we um, make sure that some of these applications um, get seen by everybody? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You want to get into the economics of it, or do you want? I mean, it's it's um, yeah. I, I you can you can price something how you want, um, and for a number of reasons. For example, you can um, <clears throat> excuse me. You can you can price an application at twenty dollars if you are pretty confident that. There's going to be a, a slight uptake for for at that particular price. In other words, if you if you can see the entire demand schedule, then you could be fairly convinced that a certain quantity will be produced um, or purchased at that cost. And you may even price it at that particular level simply because you know that uh, you can't provide the support costs for that particular application had you priced it at ninety nine cents. And even in in non iPhone applications such as you know the Mac environment, when you go onto these Mac heist bundles and you hear of developers who uh, are you know greatly concerned when they join these bundles where you know you get thirteen apps for fifty u s dollars and all of a sudden their support costs go through the roof uh, as a result of that, so you know it can be priced in a number of different ways, and it's it 's not just a matter of the value being derived. 
Yeah, I guess I, I guess what I'm the dilemma for me is trying to decide, you know, whether I, the, my response is to say, well, you know, tough, it's just competition, or whether um, the iTunes Store really does impact on the visibility of an application. Um, I've been reading the Polar Bear Farm blog for a while. Polar Bear Farm are an iPhone uh, developer here in New Zealand, and there's been a lot of discussion in his blog about um, things such as um, there's been this notion of a possible a, a high apps, um, I don't know what to call it, sort of premier apps section of the iPhone uh, mm, of, of iTunes. That. There, mm. there was a rumour that they were going to go that way at, at one point. But, but have a listen to this. On his blog, he's quite honest about the impact that prices have. He talks about uh, one of his applications called Record, and he says that they doubled the price from a dollar to $2, and download numbers dropped by 59%. Okay, so that's quite a big drop for doubling the price. Uh, we increased the price on Notepad from $2 to $3, and downloads dropped by 63%. And then we increase the price again by another dollar, and numbers drop disproportionately by 60%. So there's a huge impact if you're um, having an application and not selling it at, at a low level. And uh, for, for developers that aren't getting the attention, that's really going to impact on them. Yeah, part of that, though, is... Oh, sorry, carry on. I was going to suggest that maybe this is the reason why we're getting the lights and the pro apps and developers are, you know, trying to get two bites of the apple, so to speak, and hoping that the people that have got the app that they either got for free or paid five dollars for are going to pay ten dollars if they say that it's got this and this added to it, which sound like, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a great sort of upgrade type thing to have. Maybe that's a, that's a reason. And, and a way around that as well, keeping the prices low, but you're actually getting two bites. Mm, yeah, to be to be honest, I, I think you can whinge and moan about um, you know your app being, uh, you know, you raise the price and, and downloads go down. But the other thing you've got to look at too is is your program worth an extra hundred um, percent? And I think that's what a lot of people are saying. You know, a notepad. Well, I've got a notepad in, in, Mac, uh, in the iPhone operating system anyway. And now under 3.0, it syncs with Mail. So I've got that full compatibility. Do I really need this $2 notepad application when all I'm really doing is taking notes or or those sorts of things? You know, now with um, the uh, the voice recorder in iPhone 3.0. Do you really need to go out and spend six bucks on an application that does exactly the same thing as what comes with the the operating system? You know, and it's a lot easier to sync your notes with the with the new voice recorder because it all does it with iTunes. So I think there's that perceived value that customers are, are looking at. Say, well, I had this application and it was worth, you know. Two or three dollars at the time, but now they want four dollars for it. Uh, what have they changed? Well, they haven't really changed much. So, do I really should I really pay for that four dollars? But what about the other yeah. perspective? You've got you know when the iPhone, uh, the iTunes Store first launched, you know, Pangea Software came out with this very honest article about how much money he had made. You know, 
we said he was never going to build Mac applications anymore because mm. he had made more money with his $1.29 application sales um, for all his apps than he'd ever made in, I think it was 10 years of Mac development. Mm. But, but we do have developers bringing out $1.29 applications, but it's exceptionally hard for them to be visible within the iTunes store unless suddenly everyone wants that application. Well, that, that's the thing, and, and that's the power of word of mouth. But the, the problem is getting that word of mouth in the first place. So I think really what the developers should be doing is getting a little bit smarter and say maybe coming up to say nziphone.com and say, hey, look, we've got this application. Um, you know, do you mind taking a look at it and and sort of promoting themselves as opposed to just sitting back, dropping it on the, um, on the store and hoping that someone stumbles across their application? It's just basic marketing. Yeah, and, and um, it's a very good point in relation to Polar Bear Farm because, I mean, they uh, received their biggest publicity from when the chap went to the, uh, the WDC, not the one that's just been, but the year before, I think, mm. or possibly the year before that. And he had a video recording application that he had developed um, that people were convinced was on a jailbroken phone. And I think he even ended up on TV at the time. Uh, so it was really a matter of getting himself out there and getting some of that publicity. Mm. Yeah, it's just interesting to see, you know, um, um, you know, um, Blimp that I, that I'll mention as my pick. I mean, th- they said that they were going to put the price up. Now they haven't, but it's probably because it's just staying up there on the list of popular applications, and they must be making a lot of money. Well, what better way to drive sales than to threaten a price increase? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the the interesting thing the. Um, international athletics application that I reviewed and honestly wasn't very positive about when they first contacted me and said you know do you want to review this they admitted that the feedback they'd already received was that it was too highly priced and when they finally did send through the application they actually said we're going to be putting the price down fairly soon again so that obviously had some feedback from people about that application. Okay do we do we want to move on to picks now or is there anything else to talk about? I would like to bring up a point, um, and I might be wrong, or uh, I might have just dreamed this, but does anyone remember at, at the, um, the the keynote about the release of 3.0, about being able to have more than one app open at once? And if so, why has that not happened? No, they haven't allowed that. That was all just rumour and speculation that they were going to allow that. Um, I They... To get around the fact that they haven't got more than one application open at once is the push notification, because um, there was the the reason that people wanted these applications to be able to be open all the time um, was so that um, for them, you know, like the the software that they were talking about before. Um, so they could get the the alerts and all that sent through, and then Apple said, "No, we're not going to go that way. Um, that's going to reduce the battery life. We've seen it on all the other phones, which is true. I've seen it on other phones just kill the battery. So to get around that, they introduced push notification, and and so um, that that's the way that they've gone. Um, instead of multiple applications open at once, that you've just got one application open at a time, but you do get notifications sent to um, to the screen um, via push notification. Okay, so 
I guess I was training. <laughs> yeah, and they, I think they blurred it a bit when they talked about uh, cut, copy, and paste because, you know, the notion was you could move from one application to the next, but that didn't necessarily mean they were both running, though. I have to say the cut, copy, and paste, that feature is starting to drive me a bit crazy on the iPod Touch because I've, as I'm trying to do an email, if I want to reposition my cursor somewhere, it immediately the little... Um, the little Box balloon pops up, up saying, "Is it? You want? Do you want to cut this? Do you want to copy this? No, I don't. I'm trying to reposition my cursor. Go away." Is there any Actually, way to adjust the delay for that? Because that's happened to me as well. Um, haven't come across it. Yeah. I've seen. It's a good. No. Um, and it's interesting things like as well. I didn't realise with the video um, on the iPhone 3GS that you can only trim the was this the beginning and end. I think so. You can't cut out a middle of a video clip that you've recorded. Oh really? No. So you um, I thought you could. The way that they they showed it, you could. You just drag the sliders to the the bit that you want kept. But watch the video closely. What bits do they cut out? They cut out the end and choose a selection. Oh yeah, yeah. But that the the bars are at either end of the the clip that you want to do. It's exactly like iMovie, where you you move it to the bit that you want, and then you just select that, and then go cut, and then it drops everything either side. Of the thing, it's the same with um, QuickTime. Yeah, but you can't go into the middle of the movie and say take that bit out. So you can't go into a timeline, say you know two minutes in, and and then drag to three minutes. So you've got a one minute block and cut that bit out and keep the rest. Oh, I've got. Oh, yeah, I get where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, it's the other way around. That you select what you want as opposed to what you don't want. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, There's a video on YouTube of some guy uh, filming his buddies in a pool, and then he drops his iPhone into the pool. Yeah, well, it... there's rumors that's fake now already. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yep. <laughs> Damn, I was actually looking forward to the fact that it was real. It was no, hilarious. No, so it's it's hit the airwaves that it may actually be fake already, so who knows? Yep. <laughs> okay, time to move on to our picks, and we're going to go alphabetically, starting with uh, Andrew, I think. And Andrew, do you want to let us know what your picks are? Okay, uh... The first one I have is the one called F1 Timing. Uh, I'm a, a, a big Formula One motor racing fan, and for a number of years I've been able to, whilst the races are being run, follow the uh, live timing on my computer, which is essentially the, uh, the screen that they have, that all the teams at the race have. Uh, and it's, it's for people that aren't, uh, motor racing fans incredibly boring, but it's all the split times and how fast people are going and, and uh, how many pit stops and this, that, and the other. They released a a, a company whose name is Soft Power, and Power is spelled P A U R E R, released this app, which uh, essentially it, it goes to the next step beyond that. It's on, it's on your iPhone or your iPod Touch. It has all the live timing information that runs along beside the race that's being run at the time, but it also adds in a, a map of the course, and each car is represented, um, I suppose, as a dot on this course, which is uh, three-dimensional. You can zoom in and out and, and move it on uh, the axis so you can see it level or from a sort of over above it. Uh, which is a great way I discovered last week in the British Grand Prix to be able to keep up with what's going on in the entire track, not just what the camera on the TV is showing you. Uh, and and this, is, this is the application that asked me if I wanted to purchase 
what they call a season pass, which is, uh, you know, it's text messages and emails and so on and so forth that will get sent to you over a race weekend, which I politely decline because it's a very expensive, uh, it was a very expensive purchase. Um, and if you're a Formula One fan, and there is, seems to be quite a few people out there that are, I found this to be just fantastic. Uh, is another way of being able to keep up with what's going on over a race weekend because we're on the other side of the world from where the races are going on. Um, watching them live is not really an option some of the time. One thing I found that I was able to do with it was I recorded the qualifying for this particular race and if I set the, the recording going at the same time and, and I pushed go on this application, they stayed in sync Uh which I thought was quite, which was quite cool. <laughs> so, so sorry, what was it that was being recorded? I mean, not you don't mean a video stream, do you? No, it data. It's essentially data that is being sent from the cars back to their respective pits. So, you've got the data of how fast they're going, and then you've got the data of where they are on the track, which is how the uh, it's how the teams work out. Where, how, uh, when they need to stop and where they'll slot back into the rest of the car, uh, the rest of the race once they've done their pit stops and what have you. So you can record that and review it later. That's right. Yes, oh. I can. De- I can download the race, the qualifying, and all the practices into the into the iPod, and then once you've, if you want to, it's, it'd be kind of like watching paint dry if you didn't have a visual representation, which I'm getting off the television. Um, it would be like, kind of like watching paint dry, but as a, as a uh, sort of add-on to the whole thing. And also, if you were at the race, which I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of these things live, it would be be fantastic. That that sounds like a, an application that's ripe for a subscription service, you know, 99 cents per race or something like that. It, that's kind of what I think is where they're going. Uh, Formula One don't have any problem with charging you huge amounts of money for, for sort of little things, uh, and that, that would not surprise me if that was something that was going to come up. Okay, and how much is the application uh, to start off with? Fourteen dollars. Okay, oh, that's not bad. Uh, which is what it's nine ninety nine. So it was it was fourteen dollars to 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 buy. Um, and for somebody who was, you know, a fan like I am, I I didn't think that, that was uh, too pricey at all. And 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 yeah, it it worked exactly how they said it would, <laughs> which was. Um, Quite rare in this day and age, I suppose. Okay, if um, if one timing for all you petrol heads, uh, do you have another pick? I, I do. Um, it's my old favourite, which I recommended in the last podcast, which is the MLB at bat um, application, because I'm also a baseball fan. It's just something they added uh, once the 3.0 software was announced. You, you're able to watch the games as a graphic um, representation of what's going on. At the time, at, uh, at uh, game time, this year they added the radio broadcast in so you can hear from the ground the, the broadcast of the game. And now they've added video. So you can stream video into your iPhone or iPod Touch and you can actually watch the games. That, that was an application that was demonstrated um, at either at the launch or at the announcement of the 3.0 software kit, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was announced. It was last year when they announced two two point oh. At was one of the ones from two point oh. Oh, okay. I've, I've seen the. Um, it must have been maybe on TechCrunch or somewhere that they talked about the the video features because it yeah. was quite an impressive application. Uh, it was uh, a little bit disappointing for me when I, you know, I um, there was an update and I downloaded it and it couldn't find me because 
uh, first off, I'm in New Zealand, and second off, it's an iPod Touch, so I don't have GPS. So what it's doing, they have blackout restrictions in the States. So if you're in the market, the game's being played, and you can't see it on a, um, on a computer. And if they can't find you via that there's a list, you know, it's GPS and then there's the, the, the cell tower thing and then there's the Wi-Fi thing. And they finally came down to things like uh, postcodes. Because <laughs> uh, I, I emailed them and said, hey, I can't get this. And I got an email back from them saying, look, we've been having trouble with people from other countries who ex- are having exactly this problem. We're going to release an update within a week which will fix this problem. Which is the reason, this, that's the reason why I went into Skyhook to try and see if I could speed up the process by, by being able to be found. Um, but last Thursday, I, there was an update there and I downloaded it and sure enough, so up be- it comes. So, <laughs> so because you're out of the country, you get to see it live, correct? Yeah. But, but, but yes, that's who, right. people who have the application on their iPhone can't see it live if, if they're in the States? No. I'm, okay, so I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan. So if I'm in New York and the Yankees are playing in New York, I wouldn't be able to see it. Ah, but if I, was, okay. if I was to go into the next state or in, even, you know, you don't even actually have to go that far out of market. It's, yeah. it, it works on zip codes wow. uh, and IP addresses uh, because this is a thing I watch baseball on, on my computer uh, and it works on zip codes. So Which essentially, yeah. if, you're in, if you're in the market where the game is being played, they're basically saying get down to the ballpark rather than watching it on your computer. Righty. That explains um, Alex Lindsay on Mac Break Weekly was saying he was somewhere in an airport and uh, desperately missing a game, so he just pulled out his iPhone and suddenly he had three or four people crowding around him to watch it. Well, that is, I've read something too about, so what happens if you're on an aeroplane that's got Wi-Fi and you fly over the local market where the game is? <laughs> you know, it's just things like that, uh, which would be quite silly. But yeah, it worked. Right. It, it certainly works, and it was... It was, you know, it was watchable. If you, uh, I, I think, um, if it was the only way that you had to watch it and you were desperate to see the game, it's certainly not. Um, it wasn't bad. I'm not going to be switching from <laughs> from the computer or anything, but it was certainly um, uh, definitely watchable. Right. And I, I'll I'll stop there with my picks. <laughs> if you're flying over, it probably comes up with a message saying, "Sorry, please look out the window." Well, I thought exactly. Well, I thought, well, if you're in a plane, you're not actually in the market anyway. You're, no. you're over it. So. Yeah, let's see how clever they are. Okay, that's a cool pick, uh, David. Over to you. My pick is uh, by Brighthouse Labs, and it's an application called Superfan. <laughs> and here's what it says: We are proud to introduce your one-stop app to get everything related to Michael Jackson. Get up-to-the-minute news, bio, photos, videos, and chat with other fans. And it says, being the first to know is always nice, but being the first to know is always better. Yeah. Uh, This is what it gets you. All the latest news, up-to-the-minute, important bio for information about your star, chat area with history so you can voice your opinion, limitless content, keep browsing for days. This thing actually costs $1.29, and no, that's not my pick. It's a joke. I I was starting to be very worried for a moment there. (laughs) Yes, my pick is actually a game that I played when I was 14 or 15 years old at the local arcade in Canada, and I was the first person to finish it. It's called Space Ace, and it was one of those um, 
one of those games. I think it was, there was a few of them, a handful. First one was Dragon's Lair, and this one was actually produced on Laserdisc. And it's uh, produced, and the fellow that actually was actively involved in animating it is used to work for Disney. And um, basically, it's like watching a Disney film. And you, uh, on the, at the time, you used a joystick to kind of maneuver, um, you know, the little person around and go in various directions, uh, following a particular flash on the screen that would indicate the direction or what you were supposed to do. Well, they've ported this over to, uh, and Phil put me in touch with this, they've ported this over for the iPhone and the iPod Touch. And it's pretty pretty spectacular. It's uh, it's a little bit wonky in terms of actually taking a joystick-heavy game and porting it over to the iPhone. And I will admit that it's a bit frustrating in some respects because you're basically watching live animation and you're watching for little flashes on the screen that, as I say, would indicate which direction you're meant to kind of direct the character. And if you miss it, then obviously you die and uh, it gets a bit frustrating after a while. But they've ported this over fairly well. And I found myself um, getting stuck in the exact same places that I was getting stuck you know, 20, 20 years ago. Um, <clears throat> so I, in that sense, I actually found it, it's, it's, it's very well worth it. It's $6.49 in the App Store. Uh, it's called Space Ace, so highly, highly recommend it. And you don't lose the skin off of your knuckles uh, with an iPhone like you used to do on the joysticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I was just saying that they're, they're starting to bring back a lot of those those games. Um, I noticed Flight of the Amazon Queen. I think it was Flight of the Amazon Queen. You know, those old point-and-click um, adventures along the lines of Monkey Island, they're actually coming back um, using the Scum VM engine. So um, I always thought the iPhone would be absolutely brilliant for those point-and-click type games and those um, Dragon's Lair games and all that. So it's good to see that they're coming back. We're possibly going to get things like Monkey Island coming along and and all those sorts of things as well, I wonder. I hope so. I hope so. Maybe a developer kit for building them. I've always wanted to make my own but never been able to. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing I wonder. You've always wanted to make your own Monkey Island. Is that what you're saying? With a game, although it would be cool to have my own monkey island. <laughs> I wonder with this in-app purchase, if I was a game developer, I would build a um, scrollable level game or something. Now I'm thinking back to my monkey shine days when I helped with that application. Release an editor to let people build their own levels mm. and then submit them to the company who then sell them as add-on in-app purchases. That would be that would be cool. That would be a good idea. Yeah, because then you've got the whole world developing new levels for you, and you just giving them, you know, fifty percent of the commission or something like that. Kind of like that PlayStation game. Um, oh, what was it called? The um, the one where you basically create your own world, so the game is essentially limitless. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I think we are going to see a lot of in-app purchases that are just simply, you know, more levels for the application that you've purchased already, which will be great. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think that's what um, The Sims 3 has done. They've certainly done on the desktop. I, I can't speak so much at the moment for um, uh, the the iPhone version, but there's a community where you can, you can either buy stuff from the store or you can download stuff from the community that players of the game have actually made themselves. Um, so I, I can see that, that in-app purchase um, side of it being uh, quite a good money spinner and also quite valuable for the, the customers because then, you know, they can charge a small fee for the application, which will get more people buying it, and then they just buy the content that they want. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's Space Ace. David, do you have any more? No, that's it for me. Okay, cool. Darren? Me. Um, so much for alphabetically, but still. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, sorry, alpha loaded Wookiee. That's not... <laughs> sorry, I should Oh, fair out. enough. I've too, got yeah. you listed by your usernames. <laughs> Um, one of the applications I, I want to is one that I've actually been using for quite a long time called Road Trip. Um, I basically live in my car with my job. Um, I'm all over the place, pretty much the Greater Wellington, um, and it, it's really good for you know when you do a, a fill up, um, you 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 put in how much you've filled, you know how many liters, what the cost was, um, and basically the um, kilometers at the point at which you filled up and then it gives you like this really good statistical graph of um you know how well your car is doing sort of thing you know i'm i seems my 1997 suzuki belano is quite fuel efficient at an average of 12.82 kilometers per liter um which i think is a little bit out it's probably close to 14 kilometers per liter but it, it gives you good running um stats like that it also it helps you track things like you know when you you do um, maintenance on the car, oil changes, um, uh, you know tires and all that sort of thing. So you can keep a good idea. Basically, it's a, a logbook of things that you do to your car, um, and it's been quite handy to see you know um, just how much money you're spending on the car um, during the course of, you know, what essentially is, is mostly work travel. Um, so that that's the first application. Cool. How much is that, Darren? Do you know? I can't remember. Um, I don't think it was that expensive. It's almost 49 because I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. Was it 649? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It it wasn't that expensive. I knew it wasn't that expensive, but it's it's definitely a really good um, application for anyone who basically uses their car a lot and also needs to keep records of things. Um, uh, Certainly, I I suppose, you know, if you're like a truckie or something like that, um, where you want to record things, although it doesn't really record hours or anything like that. Can it sort of ask a silly question, but it handles the sort of New Zealand situation? I mean, it doesn't talk about gallons and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's... Well, it's got a massive array of um, uh, options that you can do. You know, um, it can be uh, miles per gallon, kilometres per litre, um, kilometre... Uh, was it? Um, oh, there's just a whole whole lot that you can do. So you can set it to to the way that you want it sort of thing. Okay. Um, I, I got mine miles per li- um, kilometres per litre because it's just easier to... to um, sort of see and, and at the moment to date it's looking like my cars cost me six hundred and three dollars and five cents and and i take it you you also know what you can then ask work for to, uh, to pay in terms of mileage and all that sort of stuff oh, i could ask them that but yeah good luck in getting it <laughs> so it would have been fantastic for me when i was touring yeah it's exactly the sort of thing that would have been Listen to well, what, what, what I'll hope, um, Darren, is that they might say, well, if only you could show some evidence that you were recording it and you can just whip out your iPhone and <laughs> yeah. say, well, actually. Yeah, well, you know, most people do this sort of thing with a, um, with a logbook. But, mm. you know, the problem with a logbook is you've got to keep paying, you know, some, some of them are ludicrous prices, like $15 for a, for a book, you know, and you go through, you know, maybe 
say in a year you probably go through um, with a lot of mileage three or four books, you know. So say twenty bucks a book, you know, there's a hundred bucks a year, as opposed to a six dollar fifty app that you just keep um, adding to it, you know. So the the value is, is quite high, um, and it it gives you exactly what you um, want, you know, a running total of. Um, how much you're using your car, what it's costing you in fuel and what it's costing you to run it a year, you know, with all your registration and tyres and all that sort of thing. So uh, a very handy app, absolutely mm. brilliant app. Cool. That sounds cool. That's Road Trip. And your next mm. pick? Um, my next pick is actually made by the same guys that brought us Flight Control. Um, it's a racing game called Real Racing. And this game is Forget every other racing game that's come out on the iPhone. This game is the bee's knees. Um, it's it's proper track racing, um, uh, you know, like V8 supercars sort of um, type game, um, although it's more like British touring cars based around that. Um, once again, it hooks into Cloud Cell, so all your, your um, points and all that for all the... Um, racing and all that that you're doing, you can upload that um, to provide, like, a um, uh, a challenge, I suppose, sort of thing, you know, like with um, flight control so you can see how how good you're doing up against everyone else sort of thing. Uh, but the, the, the physics is amazing. The graphics are unbelievable. It just... I really want to get the iPhone 3GS just to see what real racing is going to be capable of doing because, I mean, it's running like a, a cut cat now. I could imagine what it's going to be running like on, on the better graphics of the, the newer system. Um, yeah, it's getting, but I mean, it, it's getting rave reviews. I mean, uh, on, on, honestly, are you happy to spend the thirteen ninety nine? I know I'm sounding tight. I mean, it's fourteen dollars, but but it's quite fourteen dollars. I mean, you, you, you look at you look at yeah. race cars. <laughs> I don't smoke, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, um, yeah, no, it, it's well worth the price. I mean, this this price. It could go for twenty, thirty dollars, and still be good value for money. It's an amazing game what they've done with it. The graphics are are super smooth. The the fact that you you can see your guy turning the steering wheel, changing gears, and things like that, and it's not dropping frame rates or anything, is just absolute amazing programming uh, skills from these guys. I think they're doing doing themselves a world of favour bringing out games like these. Um, and yeah, real racing is an ab. You can also hook it up with the gameplay with, uh, sorry, the um, what do you call it? Um, with Bluetooth and all that, you can play against other people. You can yeah, play yeah. on. And, yep. So you can play over Wi-Fi and hook into this system there and race other players and all that. So you know the the limits of this game is is just very hard to push. Um, you know, in terms of you're never going to get the same experience twice. Um, the the AI in the cars is infuriatingly good. You know, they're, they're always ramming into you and pushing you and, and nudging the back end so you slide out and smack into fences. It's just a, such a fun racing game to play. It's there, there hasn't been a racing game of this quality yet um, up until this point. Um, some so, people saying that there's, they're experiencing crashes and the reviews in the App Store. Have you had crashes on it at all, Darren, or no? Um, 
not crashing the car, but crashing the application. <laughs> yeah, I've experienced a lot of crashes in the car. Um, no, the the. I think I've probably had maybe one crash, but I think that was your standard, um, you know, re- reboot the uh, um, yeah. phone sort of deal. Although um, there is actually a little app called Free Memory, which I recommend. Um, that was a dollar thirty, I think it was, and that allows you had a touch of a button to free up memory, so it makes those games a lot better. But in terms of um, uh, crashing the application, I've... I haven't really experienced it at all. The comment that you made, Darren, that it's unlike any other racing game is fairly typical of the sort of reviews that I've read about it. I mean, people are just saying, you know, this is it. This is the racing car game you've got to have. This this is the application that is finally pushing the iPhone to its limits. Um, it is, un- un- unless you've played it, you'll you'll not really understand what I'm getting at. This this is something that is just absolutely phenomenal i mean i saw the demo of it um before they released it and i thought oh my god as soon as that comes out i'm downloading it sure enough i did and i I haven't regretted the purchase you know 14 bucks for this application is just this is why the iphone sells a lot of applications um pretty impressive that they've managed that on I, i mean what worried me when i first started to hear about it was is this going to be a 3gs only application, but you know they've managed to pull it off the functionality um, superbly on the iPhone at the 3G itself. Yeah, I I found though the accelerometer was a little bit too sensitive, so I dropped the the sensitivity of it down quite low, and it it actually plays a lot better with lower um, sensitivity. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's there's a number of ways to play it. You know, you can either hold it like a steering wheel. Um, you can um, have like a like a kind of like a joystick sort of thing on it. I haven't played it like that yet, but um, but with the sensitivity down low on the accelerometer, using it like a steering wheel is real good. Um, you know, having the the basically you, you press the left or the right for the the brake or the accelerator. Um, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. You really have to to at least borrow someone's um, iPhone or iPod that has the game just to give it a go, just to see um, how good this game really is. They they've done a phenomenal job with this. I mean, I, I loved flight control, and you know, I thought, well, they're they're going to have to do something pretty special, and they are fast shaping up to be the the developer to keep an eye on, eh? Uh, yeah. yeah. They um, they haven't brought out a light version yet, unfortunately, but it would be quite cool if they did as well because that certainly give people a chance to have a flavour of real racing. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think a light version will actually help them sell heaps more copies, eh? It's, um, especially with it being uh, $14. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the tight wads out there. And, and <laughs> um, they, yeah, they, they get a chance to see what it's like. And, and seriously, if you played a demo of it, you will be going out and buying full-price version because you just – the the championships the the amount of cars that are out there the the fact that you've got um for each um each championship that you do you've got three tiers on it so um you know hours and hours and hours of gameplay just in that application i think it was 60 meg 
to um, uh, to download. So all of that in 60 meg is just unbelievable. Yeah, no, it is 60 meg. I just had a look. Um, part of my problem, it's not just being a tightwad, but I've got about a dozen uh, commercial applications that I've paid for that are sitting on my phone that I still haven't actually played yet. Yeah, um, th- this will be one of those games that you definitely want to – you'll be playing a lot of yeah. – um, so I'm trying to work through and complete everything before I keep purchasing again. But but then I just spotted that Space Ace is six dollars forty nine. Was that how much it was at the, when you purchased, David? Yep, six forty nine. Oh, okay. Oh, that's definitely cool. worth it. Yeah, definitely worth it. Yep. Um, Darren, cool. Thanks for that. Any others? Um, actually, and there is one, and and I remembered that this was actually the application that I was going to review last time when the, the podcast fell over. Um, <coughs> The um, the application is an old application, and I've been wanting it ported to an, uh, a pla- the Mac platform, um, well, at least Mac OS X. Um, they've finally ported it to the iPhone, and I couldn't be happier. It's an old game called Ports of Call, a ship trading game. Uh, this game I spent many hours, you know, playing as a, as a kid. Um, on the Amiga, and basically, as I said, it's a ship trading game, so it's you buy a ship, you go to all around the world selling your wares, um, pushing wares all over the place, um, doing the dodgies with um, unscrupulous-type people selling arms and drugs and all that sort of thing, um, making a bit of money on the side. Meanwhile, while you're trying to make all that money, you, you can buy bigger ships and up, work your way up to super tankers and things like that. Um, you got storms which can start damaging your ship and all that. And the graphics themselves are exactly the same as what was on the Amiga. They, um, they haven't gone to upgrading them or anything, which I think is actually a really cool thing because the graphics were pretty good at the time. Um, they're pretty simplistic to a lot of games um, but I think it's that simplicity which makes it more playable um, I love how the um, it's it's $2.59 and I love how the in the explanation the copyright for the chap that wrote it is 1986 to 2009 yeah. so, so it, shows you, it shows you the age of the game yeah, I, I, as I say, I, I was playing this game like years and years on, on the Amiga and and I had always wanted it to be um, uh, on on a platform that I was using all the time. You know, I didn't have a Windows machine, and um, I didn't want to upgrade to Windows just so I could. Well, I'd start that sentence again. I didn't want to downgrade to Windows just to play ports of call. Um, but the yeah the. Um, the game is – I suppose it's not going to appeal to a lot of people. It is a trading game, so it can be a bit boring for some. But um, it, it's it's definitely a game that I, I would recommend to anyone who's into the trading-type um, arenas, uh, trading-type um, games. Um, it, it, it's – just such a fun, fun game. You can easily get into it. The, the only downside I do have is in the porting, <coughs> they are a little bit twitchy on the on the buttons. Uh, I think a couple of updates away, they'll they'll have it sorted. But um, the the buttons can sometimes be a little bit hard to press, and that sort of would be a little bit of. Um, 
uh, a downside for me. Um, sort of takes away a little bit, but the fact that you can steer your ships into port or out of port or use the tugs or, or whatever, you know, you have all these options so you can actually drive the boats if you want. Um, and and that's actually quite a puzzle sort of thing, you know, because you've got a, an area where you have to poke, uh, park the ship, but you also have to basically manoeuvre it so that the ship's facing the right way and all that sort of thing. And some of the ports are absolutely shocking. I think Toronto... There's, no, Toronto's actually quite an easy one. Um, there's another one that's just absolutely stupid, um, you know, where you've got twists and turns and things like that. And in and, and tight spaces, you've got to basically manoeuvre a super tank around so that you can back it up or well, you've got a time limit sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really recommend Ports of Call for those that are in the simulation trading type cool. game. And it's neat to see the iPhone bringing back a game that, by the looks of things, is about 23 years old. So um, it's great that we're getting mm. some of these old games back. Yep. Yep, cool. Uh, any more, Darren, or is that it? Um, no, I'll leave it there for the time being. Okay, cool. Um, my two picks, one is a freebie. Um, it's a, um iPod and iPhone... Um, magazine that I was looking on Amber MacArthur's site and I noticed she mentioned it and then I happened to be in iTunes and spotted it. Now it's it's a free magazine that you can subscribe to. It's called iProng. Now you can go to iprong.com but a lot of people may not be aware that iTunes has the ability to um, uh, display PDF documents so that um, they're the little wee um, booklets that you get when you buy an album. But so this is a, a subscription or a podcast, but instead of, of it being an audio file or being a video file, it's a PDF document. It comes out once a month and it's just a fantastic, lovely, glossy, free magazine, well worth subscribing to. Well, that's iProng. Um, and then a game that I've been playing and I'm almost finished, I'm up to the final level, it's called Blimp the Flying Adventures. Uh, it's cost $1.29, it is well worth it, and uh, if it was probably five times as much I would still buy it. It is probably one of the most beautiful games that I've played on the iPhone. Um, it, it starts up and it specifically tells you that you should put your headphones on, and you really should put your headphones on because the effort they've gone to with the uh, audio just to uh, bring in some sort of uh, background noises and so on within the game... Uh, uh, the music superb. The graphics are just incredibly glossy. Um, it, it's just one of these games that was uh, so beautifully built specifically for the iPhone and iPod Touch, uh, and it's well worth a look-see. So that's uh, Blimp, The Flying Adventures. Uh, and I'll link to my nziphone.com review of it as well uh, in the show notes as well. Okay, guys, are we all done? I think so, yeah. yeah I think so. Okay, uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. That's our conversation about uh, the iPhone, uh, the iPhone 3GS, uh, the prices that Vodafone are going to charge us and everything about the software that's just come up. Thanks very much to Andrew, David, and Darren uh, for joining me. Don't forget to join us on nzmac.com, uh, in the forum, and uh, certainly we'd like uh, more people to take part in these podcasts. Just feel free to join the community group and get involved. Uh, so this is Philip Roy signing off. See you later, guys. Cheers. See ya.
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest presenter and do not necessarily represent those of NZMAC.com.